listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you save your marriage no matter where it is. Beginning stages of a crisis, even the beginning of a marriage, great time to figure out how to stay married before you get into trouble. In fact, my feeling is the best time to save your marriage is long before there's any crisis, long before there's a problem, to begin building in the connection that you need, to begin understanding what's behind the power of a powerful relationship, what makes it, what powers that. I've had this conversation. I was at a wedding just over the weekend, and this person asked me, you know, what was the secret? What did I believe the secret was of marriages that endured? And so I talked about being a we, and he said, yeah, but we're not there And my response to him, obviously he was not the one getting married, he was just someone attending. My response to him was, you know, there's always a place to start building that. And part of that understanding of being a we happens within each of us individually within a relationship, and then you work on building that as a we. So for quite a few sessions now, I've been talking about your questions, answering your questions. If you want to submit a question, feel free to at podcast at savethemarriage.com. That's podcast at savethemarriage.com. And by the way, uh, you're joining me on my back porch. It's a cooler evening. Finally, we're getting a little bit of taste of fall, even though none of the trees look like it. But we're, we're at that change in the season. And, you know, that's the kind of thing. We're always looking for those changes in life. And we're going to talk about those changes that come to us. So what I'm looking for in those questions, if you want to submit one, is that Goldilocks place? The question that's going to apply to lots of people, it's just right. You know, it's got to apply to lots of people, not just one or two people. And it's got to be specific, though, at the same time. So you're finding that balance point. A lot of times I get such broad questions like, you know, how do you save a marriage? Well, that's the whole process that I talk about in my system. Or some people will give me such a very specific question that it's really about coaching. It's something you need a response to, but it only means it to you. And I'm looking for that place that's in between. So let me just kind of give you a warning for uh, upcoming. I, I get a lot of questions about affairs, and I've written a book about uh, recovering from infidelity, but I am going to cover lots of those questions uh, coming up really soon in a podcast, but it's going to be a longer podcast. I I try to make a podcast one that you can digest pretty quickly. That one, I've got so many that it may even be a couple of podcasts. We'll see how that goes as we're working through them. But right now, we want to take a step back and look at what about separation? I've talked about separation in other podcasts. I've talked about the boundaries that you want to create while you're uh, looking at a separation. Uh, You know, my big thing right now is you want to avoid a separation if at all possible. You know, that's, that's the beginning point. If you can avoid a separation, that's the best place to be. Remember that separations are places where people move to when they're trying to find some space. And a lot of times what's happened is they've tried to find some space within the relationship already, but it hasn't happened. And so what I've talked about many times is to understand that whenever we're looking for emotional space and we can't find it, we'll create more space. And eventually emotional space gives to physical space. 
What I've also talked about is the fact that many times separation is kind of a dress rehearsal for a divorce. It doesn't have to be, but that is a danger point for separation. Anytime you have created two households, you're kind of running through what would it be like to be separated. And one thing that's behind that is whenever you're separated, there are additional vulnerabilities to the relationship. You're no longer in a place of connection. There is uh, even more of a potential for um, misunderstandings and miscalculations and also places where people move into other relationships inappropriately if that's not been made very clear ahead of time. But it also makes it one step harder to even build connection. That's part of why it's so difficult. And so sometimes we can avoid a separation. Sometimes people move instead of to a full separation to an in-house separation where at least you still have contact and you can kind of continue on regular life. Um, And a lot of times that's a lot easier for the kids. So my first preference is, A, we work through the issues and hold together. My second preference, B, is that people do an in-house separation. And my distant third separation, if there's no, or, or distant third option, if there's no other choice but separation, is to find some ways of agreeing to that ahead of time, making sure you really understand what you're stepping into and how you're going to connect and how you're going to maintain uh, connection during that process. And then how long? So you can learn more about those. I've got links to my other podcast on separation in the show notes, uh, at, which means basically the write-up on my uh, blog uh, at savethemarriage.com. If you're interested in that, go to savethemarriagepodcast.com directly, and that will get you on the right page. And then you can look at uh, the show notes and the additional resources area. And it's interesting. I never think about it as a show note, but that's what they're technically called. I really think about it. This is our conversation. So the conversation notes that I keep for us so that you have a place of referencing. And I always put those in there. You know, if you're listening to this on iTunes or somewhere else, um, and I think now on iTunes is about to go, but podcast and uh, the podcast app or downcast or, you know, Stitcher or somewhere else, go to save the marriage podcast.com and you can find the episodes and all of the related resources. So um, when I say check the resources, that's what I mean. Okay, so let's just kind of dive into uh, a couple of these questions or several of these questions on separation. The first one is, is kind of really what do you do, right? It says, what are the specific steps in regaining connections? We're in a separation, and my wife does not want to believe that you can make the necessary changes to love her the way she needs it. And this writer says, I have acknowledged that I fell short, and I know the role I played in the disconnection. Um, so... Roger, in some ways, what you're already talking about in this is you know your role in that. So where do you need to work on that disconnection? There's not a blanket recipe for reconnecting. So I want to remind people that there are three different ways that we humans connect. Uh, There is one that every warm-blooded creature uh, that crawls around that is wired for connection, and that's one of the things we kind of share. That part is touch, right? That's the basic level of connection, physical. Uh, I I don't think that many animals have any deep uh, pillow talk, you know, deep, long conversations about what their life was like before they met this other creature. Um, They 
are much more tactile, but we humans also have that within us. And so when I say physical connection, that's any physical connection. A lot of times we like to reduce it only down to sex, but it's much broader than that. Uh, when couples hold hands, when they hug, when they um, kiss, when, they, uh, when one's back is being rubbed, both of them are uh, having some uh, physical connection. Uh, even when they're sitting side by side, just kind of casually touching. Our, our bodies are wired for that. We have a hormonal response when we are in bodily contact uh, with other humans. That's, that's just the way that we are wired. It happens automatically. So physical connection you'll notice is a little more difficult when there is separation. And sometimes that's a very guarded point of connection. So I bring that up to say, you know, if there are ways of creating any level of physical connection that will be accepted by a spouse, that's important. So maybe uh, a hug and a kiss is not okay, but maybe, you know, a side hug is or a pat on the back. Remember, sometimes we go, well, I can't do this, you know, and, and we speak of, you know, a lot of connection, a lot of physical connection. And so I can't do anything rather than thinking at what level is it still acceptable? At what level can I create the connection? So physical connection is something you want to remind yourself of and think of. How can I do that? Emotional connection is it's another layer and part of emotional connection is just feeling like someone gets us. You know, when you've had a hard day and you come and you say, man, it's been a hard day. If the other person says, I don't even want to hear about it. You know, you think you've got it tough. Let me tell you, that's not much of uh, an emotional connection. Now, if both people have a rough day, if one says, hey, I really had a tough day and the other one says, me too, let me hear about your day and I'll tell you about mine. That's a shared level of connection. So part of emotional connection is in feeling like you have been gotten and and the other person gets you. You get them, they get you. That's a level of that connection. Another layer to emotional connection um, is being tuned in to the other person's emotions. Maybe you recognize that the other person is is in an upbeat place, emotionally in an upbeat place, and, and can be more playful and more available, or other times when they need more attention and more help. So emotional connection is one that we uh, often share verbally, but it also are in the nonverbal ways we attend to somebody. You know, when somebody's listening to you versus when they're tuned into something else, either tuned into their phone or their tablet or the computer or the newspaper or the TV or whatever else that has their attention. So you feel like you're basically talking to a wall. But worse than that, you're talking to a wall that should be replying. And so part of emotional connection is feeling like there is attention to each other's, that that you're aware of each other. You know, many times I'll watch couples who basically tune each other out and they're losing the capacity of that emotional connection. So many times people say, you know, I just don't know what to say. And my response is sometimes it's not saying, but being. One of my biggest lessons when I was a chaplain is the power of sitting with somebody and and being attentive to them. And if they want to talk, to listen. And if they don't want to talk, to sit quietly. There is a bridge point between the physical and emotional. If somebody's having a tough day and you hold their hand, that's physical and emotional support. So to be attending to somebody's emotional needs is creating emotional connection and them doing the same back 
allows it both ways. Now, when you're in a marriage crisis, recognize that sometimes a spouse is not that willing, for instance, in this situation, is not that willing to be looking for the places of connection. And so to be willing to offer, able to offer that, that's a great place to be. Now, here is a roadblock. Many couples think, or many people think, that maybe the way to create that emotional connection is to have that relationship talk. You know the talk I'm talking about? I'm not talking about just talking about relationship, you know, just talking about what's going on, but the relationship talk, the one where you think that you have figured out what to say, the one where you figured out that you, know, you have the magic words, the, maybe the convincing words, maybe you figured out exactly how to convince your spouse that things can turn around. Well, that's the relationship talk I'm talking about, the relationship talk. Many times... People start off on that relationship talk expecting it's going to go well, and here's the problem. You both have the talk in your mind, but it's a different version of that same talk. And so you hit a roadblock. That's not emotional connection. It's emotional distance in reality. Then there is that third area of emotional conne- or of, of connection, which is spiritual connection. It's partly an emotional thing, but there's something deeper than that. Spiritual connection is when we are sharing our hopes and our aspirations and also our fears and our concerns and kind of our deeper selves, our truer selves, our vulnerable selves, maybe the part that we don't tell anybody else. There may be other people in our lives that know about our emotional life, but most people don't get our deeper spiritual life, what we believe, what we hold of value, how we understand the world to be, how we kind of move through the world with our deeper self which is our our truer self. And so it's the part that we often stop sharing with somebody. Maybe we're afraid that they won't understand our big dream, or maybe we're not going to understand their big dream. So we stop sharing that. What I've noticed is that couples often, they think that they're just talking in the early days of a relationship, and they don't notice that that's spiritual connection. You know, when you're talking about how you're you're going to conquer the world, what you want to have in the world, what you want to do is your big thing in the world— that's sharing your spiritual connection with somebody. When they're saying the same thing to you, you know, those conversations that go late at night that start with your shared values and go to your shared hopes and dreams, that's the spiritual connection. And many times people stop sharing that. What I've observed is that in the midst of a marriage crisis, it's a little harder to get a foothold in the physical or the spiritual connection. People are more guarded there. And so you work on more of the emotional, but you try to fill in the blanks any, can, any, any way you're there or you can in those areas. So to your question of specific steps in regaining connection, the specific steps are vary from person to person because different people have different levels of what they'll allow. My suggestion is that you, A, start small, and B, if you overstep back back up and try again and not be frustrated with that. You're trying to find where a spouse will accept spiritual, emotional, and physical connection. And when you can't find the place in one to look for a place in the other. Now, my guess is there's some more behind that. And and so what I really want to talk about in, in this one, since we're talking about separation, is that one of the roadblocks to that with separation is that you, you might be in different places. 
so sometimes that requires uh, some attempts to meet up somewhere. Um, and I always recommend that as part of the negotiation for separation of how are we going to get together? It's not, it's not very helpful for the relationship to say, okay, we'll just have no contact for a certain amount of time. In fact, that's a strategy that you'll hear on the internet, the, the no contact rule. And uh, I can tell you that one of my uh, podcast that's uh, a fairly uh, popular version uh, or episode of that is uh, that um, the no contact rule is crap. It's it's maybe one of the worst pieces of advice I've heard on the internet, and there are lots of bad pieces of advice on the internet, but that is a horrible one because here you are having um, the problems from disconnection, and then you're committing to 30 days of disconnection. So what I suggest people do is find a place where both can at least begin in the early stages to have an agreement on what kind of connection you'll have. Can you can you meet for lunch once a week or meet for dinner once a week? And what I suggest is maybe not call it date night, but just can we get together? You know, can we make sure we catch up and, and keep each other up on things? And the other thing I suggest is that you do it in something that you would enjoy doing. This is not the time to go do therapy without a therapist. That's what many couples do. They'll go to a restaurant or meet somewhere, and they basically keep hashing it out week after week, which means that each week neither one wants to be there, and they don't make any headway. So, do something fun. Go to a concert together. Try something new together. Go for a walk together. Grab some ice cream together. Read a book together. Do something that is a together piece and, and build that into part of your separation agreement. Which brings us to a secondary question. Uh, what do you do when your spouse has developed a relationship with someone else? And, and so the uh, person says, how do you save a marriage when during a separation your spouse has developed a relationship with someone else? Um, and you say, it seems like a competition or that the spouse is flashing it in your face. Do you bring it up? In my case, my spouse says it's not a romantic relationship. Rather, it's a friends with benefits deal, which by its nature has some romantic stuff that people don't want to admit to. Um, you know, the, one of the things that many people fail to notice is that either in the emotional or the physical connection, you are creating connection. And the bonds that you build there are sometimes ones that people regret down the road. So you say, can the marriage still be saved, or do you throw in the towel? And then you give me the clue. In my case, I still want to save our marriage. So you've answered it. I don't believe you throw in the towel until you either are out of options or you decide you will not continue. I also want to, uh, it's, you say it seems like a competition. I want you to remember it is not a competition, a spouse is not putting, and people don't generally do that, putting one person up against another. Um, if they are, it's, a, it's an immature place to be. And generally, we are wired for connection, and when we don't find it one place, we will look for it elsewhere. I mean, it just kind of oozes out of us that we begin to look for places where we can have connection when we don't have it because that's, it's, it ends up triggering the same pain place in our mind, in our brain, that physical pain creates when we don't have the emotional connection we need. And, and again, at this point, I'm not talking about the different levels of intimacy, but just feeling like we don't have that connection with somebody else often leaves people looking for it, even if they don't mean to look for it. And so during a separation, you've created the circumstances that together, if you've agreed to the separation, where that is a danger point. That's part of what we've just talked about of how to maintain that connection during this time. 
And so sometimes if you haven't agreed to the ground rules, that can happen. So the, the, the first step of that is trying to avoid it in the first place. And I'm saying this broadly speaking, not just to this person who wrote in, but broadly speaking, one of the things I think is important for people to do is before separation, make some agreements on how you'll protect the relationship. In the midst of that vulnerability, it's not the place uh, to begin other relationships. It's not fair to the other relationships, even if it's this, in this case, you know, the friends with benefits, which is by definition a relationship and one that threatens the relationship. So one of the things you can always do is go back and make a request. If you haven't made an agreement, you can make a request that during this time you both stay away from other uh, um, relationships because it's really not fair on any level. It's not fair to the person who is in the relationship. It's not fair to the relationship. And it's not fair to the other person outside of the relationship that's being pulled in. At no place is that a fair or helpful thing to do. And so to make a request is a fair thing to do. Now, the next layer of this is making a request is something you can't enforce. You know, a lot of times people say, you know, can I make my spouse do something? And the answer is no. It, not, it, it's a practical question. No, you can't. Um, it's not whether you'd want to or not. It's a practical question. It's not possible because people do what they want to do. And uh, when we are trying to control somebody, we always lose on that. So you can make a request if you haven't made an agreement. The better thing is to make an agreement ahead of time. Second best is to make a request and see if they will at least follow through on that. But it doesn't change what you're doing, except for you have to make sure that you're not feeling like you're pulled into a competition. It's not a competition. It is an attempt to find connection. And your task is to make that necessity and not a necessity, but by building the connection back in. So don't allow it to be a, uh, that. Uh, just recognize it is what it is. And if you know about it clearly, you can bring up your concern. It's not a challenge to the other person. And you can clearly say, you know, I'm concerned about this. I would like for us to uh, make an agreement um, that it, it just makes it more confusing and, uh, and also is not fair. Can we make that agreement? If the person says no, to say, okay, I understand. I just want to let you know. I have no intention of starting another relationship. So stay clear with yourself, and no matter what your spouse is doing, that you need not to be a part of that. Now that brings us to what about after? And how do you make your marriage strong after separation and rebuild trust is the question. So that depends on why the trust has been ruptured. Or let me say it more clearly, if the trust has actually truly been ruptured, And so what you're wondering about the trust about, like, can I trust that my spouse won't leave me again? That's one layer. Can I trust my spouse after maybe my spouse acted out during the separation? That's a whole different question. So let's talk for a minute about trust because I want to remind you that trust is always a gift 100% of the time. And you've got to decide when you will give that gift, not how they will earn the gift, but when you will give it. Some people make trust a very cheap gift. As soon as they can, they forgive the person and move on. It's, and they will do it again and again and again. And so trust is very cheap. Other people make it very expensive. In other words, there's no way the person is going to ever get back your trust. You just won't give it back. And the honest truth is you've got to find the place in between 
where you can build trust because somebody is being trustworthy and you give them that gift again. Now, one place that you can work on rebuilding trust is by rebuilding connection. When a marriage is, uh, has very clear connection points, when the connection has been reestablished and both people are clear about uh, boundaries and agree on those boundaries, trust is somewhat uh, irrelevant. It still is relevant in the sense that all of us have this place where we're looking for you know, a place to maybe doubt or to be reassured. So it may still exist there. But when you're covering your bases with uh, the boundaries that are in place and the connection between you, that's what you're really working on doing. In other words, after a separation, when you're moving back, your efforts are to rebuild the we or maybe even build it for the first time. That once you've found that place of being a we, you have that. Remember that the separation can feel like a rupture or it can be a clear sign that the connection that needed to be there wasn't and that it was maybe not my way, my preferred way of people rebuilding connection, but it is a way that people try to create space hoping to rebuild connection. So in the process, when we understand that it's a way we moderate space, then as we move that place back to space together, you can reestablish the trust because you're reestablishing the connection. And when you reestablish the connection and talk through the boundaries, then the marriage begins to be stronger than it was before and has the capacity of taking on more and more in the process. Okay, so that kind of covers the questions that I had about separation that were outside what I've already talked about. So if you are facing separation or in the midst of separation, check out the other resources on separation. And if you're seeing that this is kind of the place where your relationship is struggling because you know your relationship has never had what it needed to have, please find out what that's about. My whole system, Save the Marriage system, is built on reestablishing that connection, of understanding that connection, of understanding the boundaries, of understanding how we get into trouble, and understanding how to come back from that, how to step-by-step rebuild it. So if you're at that place where you know you need to take the step, please don't wait. I mean, this is one of those that uh, most people say, I wish I had known about this sooner. Uh, In fact, that is probably the most common feedback I get on the system is, why didn't I know this sooner? I wish I had We could have missed so much misery and so much difficulty, and it would have been so much easier to rebuild if I'd known this earlier. So earlier is always better than later. You know, there's a a Chinese proverb that talks about the best time to build a tree was 30 years ago, and the second best time is right now. So if you didn't build the tree, didn't get the roots in to make it a strong relationship, that just means that the second best time to do that is now. Grab the system at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to rebuild and save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.